A veteran charity is hosting a new track series to reduce veteran suicide. The format is track cross, like a time trial or time attack, but with just one car running at a time. Drivers compete individually and as teams. The event is at Summit Point Raceway on October 22nd. Registration is on motorsportreg.com. Search for Top Dog Track Cross. Welcome into another edition of New Track Record. Caleb Hatch and Justin Kinney with you. Hi, Justin. Greetings, Caleb. How are you? Doing well. And we have plenty to discuss this week as we record on Thursday, September 29th, here in the evening in Fort Wayne. And plenty going on in the IndyCar world. The 2023 IndyCar schedule is out. Not just the race dates, but also the TV uh, networks uh, released as well. Jimmy Johnson no longer going to be full-time in IndyCar, but we can expect him to participate in at least one IndyCar event, maybe more details on that. Plus some other team announcements in IndyCar and Indy Lights. And uh, later on, we'll talk with our Fantasy Challenge winner as well. That is all to come on this week's episode. So we start with the 2023 IndyCar schedule. And first off, as far as the events, no surprises whatsoever. This is what we expected. Um, you look at the schedule, kicks off at St. Pete early March, then you have a nearly month-long gap again. Which is your beef. That is my biggest beef with the schedule, and we'll have more on that later. Then to Long Beach, mid-April, April 16th. Barber, April 30th. IMS Road Course 1, May 13th. Indy 500, May 28th. Streets of Detroit, June 4th. Road America, June 18th. Mid-Ohio, July 2nd. Toronto, July 16th. The Iowa Doubleheader, July 22nd and 23rd. Nashville, August 6th. IMS Road Course Race 2, August 12th. So that is a a change in date because they moved the the Cup weekend back for NASCAR. Then, I like this change. Gateway, August 27th. Portland, September 3rd. And... Laguna Seca, September 10th. So the final three events all in a row. I like that as far as building momentum, plus the last three on NBC. You look at the breakdown, and Justin, you were positive that they would drop the number of NBC races, and while they did, they only dropped it by one from 14 to 13. So technically I'm right. (laughs) Yeah. I expected it. Look, I feel like it's as good of a schedule as IndyCar could put together right now. I know you and others have beef with the month-long gap, but in a perfect world, IndyCar wouldn't have that. They would have a race that would slot in there, and when we look at it, maybe that could be a Monterey road course race next year, 2024. I mean, two years that slots in there. I feel like that's a priority for IndyCar, but they just need a willing partner, and otherwise, it's very similar To me, I mean, I know there's no quote-unquote new events, but I consider the streets of Detroit to be a new event, in my opinion, because it's a different locale, and it'll have a different type of energy, almost like a new event type energy being on the streets of the city instead of on the island of Belle Isle. Yeah, I think that will have a different feel, and again, with that event, they're going to sell tickets. It'll be in the city, but also there's going to be some free general admission viewing areas, at least so they say, try to build excitement and for an event that I don't know how many fans they're drawing 
uh, in the past on the island for race day, but it couldn't have been more than twelve to 15,000. And dedicated race fans. Only dedicated race fans are going to Belle Isle and, and parking and getting on a bus and taking it to the island and all that and then having to do it everything in reverse to get back to their cars. It's only true race fans that were doing that. So how do you draw in the casual fan of Detroit into a road course race? Offer some cheap tickets or free tickets, whatever works to get some butts in the seats at the event. So we'll see how that one plays out. And overall, again, outside of that month-long gap between the first two races, which again, that's expected. They need an event to slot in there. And we'll get to that in a bit as far as possibilities there in the future because i think talking about the 2024 schedule and then on is more enticing than talking about 2023 but overall look you get 13 races on nbc the first seven races and then that's excluding any 500 qualifying which will also land on nbc at least for a portion uh first seven races on big nbc uh it's not until road america you get a race on USA and then mid Ohio on USA, which I'm guessing they had to swap with NASCAR for that weekend uh, because mid Ohio has been on NBC that July 4th or around July 4th week in the past couple of years, Peacock race for Toronto once again, which I get the people get upset about it, but Peacock's running a deal right now, $1.99 a month for six months or something. I get that doesn't get you until the Toronto race, but it's super cheap. Also, you don't even need it right now if you're just watching it for IndyCar. So we will continue to bang that drum. But Toronto, as long as they have a Canadian TV deal in place, which they do, it's not really a big deal to the promoter because it's a Canadian event. It's not an American-based event, so they'll be okay. But after that, IMS Road Course Race 2 on USA, but overall... Six of the last seven, I believe, on NBC. So you have great momentum to start, a little gap in the middle. Momentum to end it. And the last three on NBC, and I think I said, yeah, six of seven to end it, if my math is correct, which it's probably not. <laughs> um, it is, it is, it is wow. correct. Yeah, I know, shocking. But o- overall, look, as far as what we had to work with, a few little tweaks here and there. The fact they still have 13 races on network, I think that's good. As far as races on USA, you get three instead of two last year. Still just one race on Peacock. Overall, you have to be pleased with how this played out as far as the network perspective. And again, I get that there's frustration over the the month-long gap on the schedule. And I am hopeful that they will fix that for 2024. You know what? I will give them a pass until the 2024 schedule release because you got to figure something out eventually. And... Well, I mean, they did. They had Phoenix there for a couple of years. They felt like that would be the filler and nobody went to the race. It's very difficult for any, you know, we've heard Homestead potentially, but that doesn't seem to be going anywhere at this no. point. IndyCar is trying to find a race for that slot, a a good race, a well-attended race. They may have to go to Mexico to get it at this point. Yeah, I think Mexico is probably that option and the other notable thing gateway is an afternoon race on sunday at least as far as the times go listed on indycar.com now all the times are tentative with the schedule however they're all realistic looking start times i would say i don't think we're gonna see gateway on saturday is what you're saying yes it is on a sunday for sure 
And there are a lot of people saying, could it be on that Sunday night? Because there's a big golf event that NBC normally has, but apparently that has shifted to CBS for next year. But overall, that's kind of the only thing. And, and Gateway, St. Louis in late August on a Sunday afternoon, that is pretty brutal attendance-wise. And if that is the case, I do not feel confident that race will be back in 2024. I, ugh, man, you guys are haters. I think it's back. I don't think it's going anywhere, in my opinion. As long as it makes money. It's true. They have a, a as long as they have a title sponsor and they sell. I mean, you a, could say Bomberito could have tickets. They could have easily jumped over to the cup side like seemingly everybody else did. Mm -hmm. But, you know, in my opinion, Gateway can't survive with one major event a year. I don't know why it, people think it's going away. I haven't heard anything or any hints elsewhere that it would be up for cutting, but it would be terrible if it did happen because of in such high regard that we held gateway for, for quite some time, but I just don't see it going anywhere. I, I feel like if anything, getting the cup date gives them more of a financial cushion to then host IndyCar. As long as it's not losing his butt and money, I, I don't think it going anywhere. Yeah. And as long as the, the cup date is selling well, obviously the first year is a sellout. You're curious to see how attendance looks in year two, because that's when you really kind of have to see once you've gotten the word out, will people come back? You definitely have to sell it better. You have to market it better. Now, granted, it was year one of the cup event. I'm sure a lot of their promotions budget went to that because, yes, it is exciting and important for Gateway to get a big draw for the inaugural cup event. Hopefully, some of that evens out a little bit. I'm not expecting the same promotion for the IndyCar Gateway race as I am expecting the cup gateway race just because of financials but i do expect a little bit more effort this time around both track and promoter overall any other key takeaways from you look it's really kind of hard to i guess get into the weeds with this because it's what we expected to see largely it's uneventful and sometimes there's something to be said about an uneventful schedule release we're not talking about events that are going away or events that are were contingent on you know, this, that, or the other happening for them to happen. There's no mystery race that sounds like it's going to happen, but will eventually you know, be cut from the schedule. It's, you know, you could use the word boring schedule reveal. And sometimes boring is a good thing. I feel IndyCar has tried and tried and tried to add a couple races and it's just not there yet. So the stability we have with the schedule and the continuity, I think is a good thing. Well, and yeah, that, that really goes into, I think, my final point on this. The date equity we talked about for years where they jack with the dates of, of races and move them around. Date equity is solid outside of the IMS road course race two being moved. And again, that's part of the cup weekend. And, and I don't feel like that people are going to have a big gripe about that moving from end of July, early August to yeah. essentially mid-August. I don't think that's a huge change for people. Yeah, it's still not going to draw well. So... Overall, the date equity, though, very, very solid, and you can build on that because you have consistency with these events. People expect them to be at these times now and, and these dates, so I like that, and something that used to be, I think, a real thorn in IndyCar's side that was self-inflicted as far as keeping the same tracks but moving the date around consistently. I mean, Texas was a recent example, and they're sticking with a consistent date once again. And look at it, you know, there was just a couple years ago where we had 
mega gaps at multiple spots in the schedule. I'm talking three weeks between races. Other than the between St. Pete and Texas, there is no greater than two weeks in between races for the entire season. And I think there's something to be said there because it used to be three weeks here or there and there'd be issues. You go through the schedule. There's only two weeks in between races at most once you start Texas. I think there's something to be said about that. And when you look at slotting in races, obviously that window between St. Pete and Texas needs to be filled. But IndyCar and Roger Penske know that and they have a natural opening to slot something in there. But when you go through the rest of the schedule for 2022, it sets up pretty well. And other than adding a race here or there in the future, which we'll talk about a little later, maybe where those slot in, there's not a lot of room on the schedule when you're looking at big gaps. So we shall see what comes in the future because I think that is ultimately the next question mark. As far as new venues for future schedules for IndyCar, Marshall Pruitt, racer.com with the details. And as always, first one people want to know about Milwaukee. So trucks racing at Milwaukee in 2023. And that is one of the known venues on IndyCar's radar. Marshall says racers confirmed three more tracks have emerged as potential destinations. The group that wants to bring IndyCar back to the streets of Denver. So there was a run in Denver in 1990-1991 for CART downtown event. And then for Champ Car from 2002 to 2006 as well, they raced in Denver. So that's an option. Another option, Richmond, which was on the schedule for 2020 and then fell off due to the pandemic, has not returned. That's another one. IndyCar raced there, at least the IRL version of IndyCar raced there, 2001 to 2009. And then the other one, so Pittsburgh Street Race, that one sits idle, but Racers learned the series is in contact with unspecified, with an unspecified road course out west that is under consideration for hosting IndyCar races in the near future, or details on the track are expected to be revealed in the near future. So, you went down the rabbit hole, and you think you figured out the track. Oh yeah, I delved into this way too much. It is obviously Utah Motorsports Campus. Which used to be Miller Motorsports Park. And there was a lot of promise around there for development when it was Miller Motorsports Park. And I think it was until 2015, I think it was known as that. But it's been sold since then to a Chinese auto company, which is what, Geely? Yes. Is that how it's said? I think so. Geely. And Geely just so happens to own Volvo and Lotus. So the obvious connection here is Lotus is going to be the third OEM. But in all all seriousness, looking at road courses out west, another one in California doesn't make sense. Yeah, the the Thermal Club doesn't make sense. Yeah, the Thermal Club doesn't make sense in the fact that it's like a private community, essentially think of like a golf course community, but they have racetracks instead of golf courses. Yeah. Um, And it's just, I mean, it's out in the desert, like in the middle of nowhere. It's not very accessible. Whereas Utah Motorsports Campus, right? That's the Utah Motorsports Campus. I want to call it by its old name, but that's outside Salt Lake City, which is a major metro. Um, What is it, like 30 miles? It's 30 miles south of Salt Lake City, which sounds like a lot, but you hear some people talking, and there's basically nothing in Utah 
other than college football and the jazz, right? So yeah. people are used to driving to big events and there aren't any big events in Utah. And you look at the surrounding area, it like beautiful vistas of the mountains and all that. It's, it's cool. You look at the track and it does need some upgrades. There's a lot of, um, you know, arm, what is it? Armco rails, mm-hmm. uh, and, and all that, but being owned by a billion dollar company in Geely, they have the financial wherewithal to make some adjustments happen. So look again, I put way too much research into this thing, but it doesn't make sense to go back to California. There's nothing really in Oregon or Washington that jumps out in terms of an IndyCar track, unless somebody's going to make vast investments into an existing circuit Utah is an untapped market. We talked about the streets of Denver being suggested by Marshall Pruitt in that very same article. Why not try Utah where we talk about making a swing and trying different areas that haven't been tapped in by racing. Utah fits that. And there's a lot to like there. I, I, I mean, it couldn't. Maybe it never comes to fruition, but I see a lot to like there. If indeed that is this mystery site that's being thrown about. So, according to Google Maps, from downtown Salt Lake City to Utah Motorsports Campus, you can take Interstate 80 and then get off on a highway, and it's 35 miles or about 40 minutes by car, and it is to the west of salt lake city essentially so it's in that area you have to go around a a little bit of some mountains and stuff but it's by the the great salt lake um there's obviously a lot of racing heritage out there because of the salt flats something you also have to think about and again having been to salt lake city like you said uh, outdoor activities the utah jazz i think they have an echl or ahl team a hockey team and college football having BYU and uh, Utah University of Utah. And then, I mean, you can throw in some other like Southern Utah, Utah state uh, throughout the state, but say it's not very far from Provo too. uh, Yeah. Provo would probably be roughly the same distance or so. It's kind of like in the middle of between the two. So Provo is South. This is directly West of Salt Lake city basically. But again, it, it's very accessible. This would not be that hard of a drive. And it'd be a major event. Look, I mean, they've they've hosted major events. Like, they have major college football out there. I mean, Utah and BYU are consistently ranked year in, year out college football. They've hosted the Winter Olympics before. They have a an elite ski resort in Park City, just outside of yeah. town. Um, been there. It's great. There, this would be a new event, and they used to have IMSA races there in the past, they right? Did. But yeah, sports car races as well. I mean, it's an established place that needs some upgrades, no doubt. But it's an untapped market, and people, some people will say it's in the middle of nowhere, but it's not really. There's major cities in Salt Lake City and Provo nearby with people that are used to having to drive a ways to get to major events and. IndyCar is desperate to find new markets that other racing series, i.e. NASCAR, have not tapped into. You could mention the fact that they they did it at Gateway, and now it's kind of been taken away from them once Cup came in. You know, Nashville, yes, Cup has come in and raced at the, at the Speedway there, but still feel like IndyCar is the premier event in Nashville. 
in terms of auto racing to make us take a swing I, I don't hate this at all if this indeed comes to fruition and i'm going to take sole credit for it if it does actually come because like i said i spent way too much time on wikipedia permanent road courses in the united states and clicking through every single course that popped up in the western united states and salt lake city metro population is over 1.2 million people so that's a lot of people and again it's an area where there's not a lot of motorsports activity at least as far as on closed circuits yes the salt flats they they do have some running there but that is a different thing i just think this is an opportunity to do something and Look, we'll we'll see if anything becomes of it. We could be completely wrong in our guess. Look, maybe it is the Thermal Club. I'd be surprised. We're never wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'd be surprised if it's the Thermal Club just because it's literally in the desert and it's way outside of LA. Like it, there's It's a posh country club for yeah. rich people with yeah, cars. It's, it's not really like a destination or near a major destination, you can say, well, it's near LA. And I'm like, yeah, it's near LA in the sense that it could take you two to three hours to get there. Um, this would be a lot closer for people about an hour driver less for most people who'd be attending. People could drive or fly in from Vegas, fly in from Denver, just having another option as a race out West. That's not California and that's not Portland. I think is helpful. It's in an untapped market. And I mentioned it. You need to take some swings, right? You need to try some new events, some new ideas. Street course in Denver, sure. I know there's history there, but it's also ancient history, in my opinion. What, last time anybody raced there was what? Yeah, so it's been 16 years since that happened. Make another run at it. I like the you know return. We, we think the inevitable return to Milwaukee is for 2024. Trucks in 2023, trucks and IndyCar in 2024. Makes sense, right? So the, the the Mexico race, Monterey, could we see that in 2024? Could that slot into that gap in between St. Pete and Texas? I think it's a good match. So we're seeing prospective events, prospective tracks that fit some needs for IndyCar. I would love then to slot Monterey in and then take out the second GP race for Indy and slide in a race there. Yeah. As I mean, far could as, that be Milwaukee or is it going to be too warm in the, in, in August in Milwaukee? I think August would be okay. I, I mean, the truck state is the same weekend as gateway. That's why I'm also kind of ah. looking at it that does gate gateway go away. And is it just replaced by Milwaukee? Is that an option? I don't know. That'd be terrible. But as far as a race in Salt Lake City, I'm not sure where it would fit in because it'd have to be in the heart of the summer just because you can't do it in March or April, right? <laughs> That's yeah, not an right? option. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You got to do what you got to do in the regions that you're in that fit the most weather and, and crowd and, and other stuff going on. So it's a delicate balancing act. And unfortunately for IndyCar, you don't have any candidates right now that fit into that month gap, but there are some promising potential races on the horizon. All right. The other bit of news that uh, came down, Jimmy Johnson retiring from full-time competition. Got to be very clear with those details there. Not a surprise, Justin, you were convinced he was going to do all the ovals. And instead he's looking at about 10 or so events. 
to run next year. Indy 500 obviously is one of them. That's not a surprise. But he's seeking meaningful part-time racing is his words on this. Doing the double is on the table. The Indy 500 and the Coca-Cola 600 is absolutely on the table for that. Outside of that, um, he's interested in doing the clash. He's interested in the race uh, at North Wilkesboro, the all-star race for NASCAR. Wouldn't surprise me if he did either Talladega or you think Daytona. Want to? I mean, I don't Daytona, think so. Daytona, maybe. Daytona, yes. Talladega, no way. And then outside of that, I think this is where you get into the weeds. He wants to do that Garage 56 thing for 24 hours at Le Mans, running a NASCAR uh, cup car with that. Outside of that, I, I think he wants up to in the do, air. You know, he could do some random road courses. He's probably going to do the Rolex Twenty Four. He's doing what World of Outlaws? No, that was I think a joke. No, I think that was a joke with Alex Bowman racing. Well, he had an Ally car. Is that Alex yeah. Bowman with the in the Ally yeah. car? Yeah, oh, I, I didn't know it was a joke. I saw it. I I, thought it was I, something. I think it was a joke. Um, but as far as what he's, I could going see him doing do, a World of Outlaws race though. Oh, for sure, absolutely. So, not sure if he's even going to be with Chip Ganassi Racing to do the double. Again, mentioned the Rolex 24, Garage 56 entry. He also says, according to Speed Sport, that he wants to return to one or two NASCAR Cup Series races, compete in a variety of events on the NTT IndyCar Series schedule, just not the full season. So again, Indy 500 in play. He mentioned road courses to drive at Road American, Laguna Seca. Those are amazing marquee racetracks to run on. I could honestly get excited about any of it, and it depends on what opportunity will develop. So those are a couple of tracks to keep in mind as well. But who knows? I, I mean, I think the locks are the Indy 500, the Coke 600, the Clash, North Wilkesboro, so he's, and the Rolex 24. So he, that's five right there. He confirmed that he was going to do the double? He is interested in the double. Yeah, I just don't know why you kill yourself to go race for 600 miles at Charlotte. After running the 500, I, I don't know what the allure is to do that other than say you did it. And I guess that's something, but. And then you add in Lamar and then that's six. So you got four essentially to work with. Does he run either Long Beach or Laguna Seca? Cause it's a, a California race where maybe. he's from. Maybe. I don't know. I, I feel like I would not be surprised if Jimmy Johnson only ran the Indianapolis 500 in IndyCar in 2023. I wouldn't either. I, I would expect, like, does he run a dirt race, you know? I think he's a guy that at 47 years old, he just wants to get a little bit of everything. And he went into IndyCar with high aspirations, and honestly, he did not succeed in those aspirations. It did not go well for Jimmy Johnson. That's why he's doing this, and you, you can't blame him. But I think a certain part of me, Caleb, is going to miss him, not just so I could dog him, <laughs> but really because he brought a lot of eyes to the sport. He said all the right things. He did all the right things. He brought in Carvana, which was an immensely successful partner in terms of activation with IndyCar. It was only positives with Jimmy Johnson in the series. And that's even before me being able to take still shots of him bringing out red flags and sending them to you. (laughs) But in all honesty, he was a great ambassador to the sport. I hope to see him in IndyCar races in the future outside of the Indianapolis 500. I just don't know if we will. Yeah, it sounds like you might get one or two other IndyCar races, but it feels I, like a stretch. I could see him doing the GP to kind of shake the cobwebs off a little mm-hmm. bit, you know, and kind of get going before practice starts for the 500. But 
maybe to me, the month of May is it for Jimmy and IndyCar going forward. He's also interested in the WEX series. That intrigues him because of the locations, Monza in Italy, Fuji Speedway in Japan, Bahrain. Um, that's another thing they're interested in as well. So we shall see. And I guess what I'm more surprised is he announced that he is stepping away from IndyCar full time, but there wasn't like an entire plan or schedule already set. So on one hand, it's great that he wants to do this, but kind of like what we saw when he was interested in switching to IndyCar a couple years ago, it took a little bit of time before they got everything finalized and worked out. Look, it, did he not test? He was supposed to test with Aaron McLaren SP, right? Yeah. And that test got like rained out or something. There was a schedule conflict yeah, or something, something happened, happened. To ditch it. So, man, what could have been? But overall, I, I guess, how do we remember Jimmy? Do we remember the, the spins constantly? Do we remember his amazing any 500 qualifying run? Uh, the, the top five, or the, was it? No, sixth at Texas, right? Yeah. Um, the the race at Iowa. I mean, what's your biggest takeaway? My biggest takeaway from Jimmy Johnson is a guy that is one of the greatest NASCAR drivers ever that decided to give another discipline a try, and he was just a touch too late in his career to really be able to grasp it in the way that he needed to. And that's no knock on Jimmy Johnson because now he's going to be able to do that in more disciplines outside of IndyCar. It was just way too long in the tooth, I think, to jump into an unfamiliar formula and learn on the fly and be competitive. And we saw him drop off in cup the last few years there in terms of being competitive. I don't know how you could expect him then to jump into a completely unfamiliar car and be able to wheel it around unfamiliar courses and be able to jump into top tens even after a couple years. But overall, it, I think it was a good experience for Jimmy Johnson. I don't think he regrets it in the least. I don't regret having him in the series. I think it was eye-opening for him, and it was entertaining for some people for different reasons. But I am going to definitely miss Jimmy Johnson and the activation he brought, I'm not going to miss the constant attention on Jimmy Johnson from media. That's a fair point. I think my biggest takeaway besides wondering how I can get the Jimmy Johnson egg cooker from the Carvana ads. <laughs> or the uh, jeans, right? Yeah, the je- the bedazzled jean jacket. The bedazzled jean jacket. Yeah. Outside Looking of good. that, I think what he did at Texas to start the season... I think it was just, I mean, it was a great run. He, he was trading places with Scott Dixon and passing his teammates, and that was exciting to see him charge through the field on the final stint. And he led laps at Iowa, had some good results that weekend. And I get it. I'm the soft guy on Jimmy, whatever. I like to focus on the positives, well, though. Well, we did put up the the yeah. poll question, which we'll get yeah. to in a little bit, on who's going to miss Jimmy Johnson more between the <laughs> two of us. But I, I like to focus on the positives, and there are a lot more positives than negatives in year number two. I will say that. I agree. Still brought his fair share of, of red flags out. Some of the incidents that he was involved in weren't his fault. Look at Nashville in particular. Overall, just a guy that doesn't have the seat time and the experience to come into a very competitive series and be able to compete for consistent top tens. 
or Portland for that matter when he just got completely taken out by VK. But true, that was that was a weird one. Yes. So Jimmy again out of IndyCar full time. We'll see what he does IndyCar wise. The Indy 500, perhaps more. We shall see when that schedule gets revealed. Some other IndyCar silly season news. Benjamin Peterson moving up from Indy Lights to AJ Foyt Racing. So he has dual citizenship with Denmark and with America. And he's based in Seattle. Oberto Beef Jerky, one of his sponsors. So that's okay. pretty cool. Uh, but he finished fifth in Indy Lights this past year. So he's the first Indy Lights grad to move up to IndyCar. He did win a race, dominated the Portland weekend, won the pole, most laps, and the race for his only Indy Lights win. Overall, interesting move. This is not unexpected, I would say. In fact, this has been rumored during the season itself. So well, he got a test with Foyt, mm-hmm. right? I mean, look, for me, it's tough to get excited about this move because it is 94% financial, in my opinion, for Foyt. Benjamin Peterson brings a budget, a significant budget from what it sounds like, and Foyt needs money. And the hope is, the prayer is, he's a competent enough driver to bring some results to AJ Foyt Racing. But the most important thing for Foyt in this relationship is that he brings a check. Yeah, and the the other part that's interesting is his car, and they did not confirm the car number, but... They did say that this Benjamin Peterson car would be based out of, I believe, the Indianapolis shop, which is where Kellett was based out of previously. And he's, we don't know yet what it means for Dalton Kellett. He is. I think we know. You think he's done? <laughs> I think he's done. Yeah. So Kellett, uh, they, they're trying to put together a program for next year. He, he told racer.com. Um, they also, apparently, the Foyt team has an interest in placing Santino Ferrucci alongside Peterson if the budget can be found. So that would uh, move Kellett off the IndyCar grid. And a, a full-time return with Foyt is his top interest rather than a diversion to IMSA where he has three LMP2 wins. So he's focused on IndyCar. We'll see what happens. But Ferrucci's an interesting candidate there. I mean, you could look at some other guys. Stingray Rob is trying to move up to IndyCar full-time, or at least with a partial schedule. That's another name to throw out there. Obviously, Linus Lundquist, and what that means as far as Jimmy's engine lease going away, does that mean he can be with Coin and HMD next year, full-time in IndyCar? That's another question mark. Uh, Nathan Brown of the Indy Star kind of reporting that it's not a done deal just because Jimmy stepped away. It's not a done deal that coin gets that third engine lease from Honda. So we still have a lot of question marks, question marks. And to me, I have a hard time buying into anything that Voight's doing until they show that they're competitive. Really? I, I just feel like it's revolving Seats in cars, none of them are going to be competitive. You could say it's the driver, you could say it's the team, probably a combination of both. And they're back markers, and you're trading a couple back markers for other back markers at this point. It's the only team right now that I feel like that in IndyCar right now. It's just, 
I'm apathetic to it. And I hate to say it, but I, I just don't care what Foyt does at this point. So I would assume they'll run two full-time cars. Obviously, funding will be the question mark there as far as who is in that other seat. You would hope they don't trot out two rookies, right? That, yeah, right. Just, that just seems I mean, like disaster. But if two rookies bring money that they desperately need, need then they're going to do it. And that you know goes to my point about tough to get excited about anything Foyt does. It's, it's operating on such a shoestring and holding on as much as it possibly can that you hope something goes well for them, but you expect the worst. And you get to leader circle and they're not uh, missing out on leader circle money. Yeah. Yeah. They don't have any for this year. I'm Marshall Pruitt with the update in the racer.com mailbag, but Andretti's Devlin D Francesco, he placed 23rd in leader circle. But again, Jimmy Johnson, the fourth entry for them, that does not count. So DeFrancesco gets it because Andretti was grandfathered in with four cars to the system and Foyt's 14 and four entries. They were on the outside. So they're not even in the leader circle point. So they need even more money just because they don't get that 1.2 uh, or so million dollars for each of those entries. They, they missed it on two and a half million dollars. It's just the, 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 the money that every other team's getting Foyt's just not getting. And then both of their teams missed out, you know, goes back to even when, Two, you could say two and a half of their cars missed the Indianapolis 500 a couple years ago with one that one affiliated car. Just, it's not good. I, I, every year I expect in the offseason to hear something about Foyt selling the team. That's how bad it is. I, 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 it's tough for me to buy in to anything. They could hire Scott Dixon tomorrow at Foyt Racing and I'd be like, he's doomed. <laughs> he's absolutely doomed. I have no faith in that team whatsoever. I think a lot of people are hopeful that Tony Stewart like buys the team or I'm something. I'm surprised he hasn't at least bought into the team yet. That's that's kind of what people are hoping and holding on to. He's and, so, I mean, his idol is AJ Foyt. Yeah. And his team was never a dominant team. Won, what, won a couple of 500s, right? I mean, it wasn't his team, but... No, I mean, Foyt. Oh, Foyt, yeah. Foyt, Foyt, Foyt Racing, the, I mean... Yeah, they they won... I mean, obviously, Foyt won 500s, and then he won but the I'm 500 talking about with, with his, yeah, with his with team Kenny since Brack, he stepped away. Yeah. That was it. But, I mean, they haven't won a race since Takuma Sato in, what, 2013? And, God, it's nine years without a win. I mean, when's the last time they were on the podium, even? I think a couple years. I think Kanan had some good results with them when he was there. Years. It's just... Uh, I'm surprised... That Tony Stewart, with the assets he has, with his idols team in IndyCar, you know, it's such a, use the word embarrassment, him not looking to at least buy into the team and help it out just a little bit. I mean, even a little amount of financing could be a jumpstart to competency. That's all I'm looking for is competency. We shall see. I'll be very curious what the other driver announcement is. I mean, Peterson was not bad, but he just wasn't flashy in, in, in lights. And yes, there are more cars than what there used to be, getting 12-plus cars at most of the races uh, this year. I think, if, I think in fact, at, at every race, there are at least 12 cars. But it's, again, it's not like it's a field of, of 20 or even 25 or any car where you're pushing 27, 28 cars. So, right. I mean, he's, he's mid-pack, basically. We'll see what happens. 
I'm not, but going roundabout, I'm not excited about Benjamin Peterson at all. Speaking of Indy Lights, a couple of announcements there. Daniel Frost, Christian Bogle will return to HMD Motorsports for next year. I think they've announced what three of their eight drivers, which is just <laughs> plenty hilarious. of announcements to come. Yeah, plenty more to come. Also, some lights news: Hunkos Racing returning to Indy Lights with two cars. They're transferring their Indy Pro 2000 team to TJ Speed, so TJ Speed will leave lights. Um, so that's the update there. So lights entries, I'm. I'm seeing numbers all over the place. Roger Penske mentioned last week in an interview with Nathan Brown, the Indy star looking at 15 to 18 cars. I think that's Indy the most Lights. realistic. I don't see 20. I just don't. Anything above 18 kind of feels like a pipe dream at this point. Uh, I also, would, I Roger, would love 15 full-time every race competitors. Yes. Some, some 16, some 17, but 15 driver car combinations that run every race. Roger also confirmed Firestone is taking over sponsorship of the series. So we knew they were doing tires and we thought maybe it's like presented by. So we'll see the official name and look, they may even change the name of Indy Lights. Ernie Francis Jr. is set to uh, return to force Indy next year as well. And Indy Lights, Miles Rowe will be supported as well. They do not say the series. Penske does not confirm the series for Rowe next year. Um. So that's kind of the the update there. They may continue to put Miles Rowe with a, like a partner team, but nothing to announce at the moment. And then as far as having a black driver in the Indy 500 by 2024, Roger says not realistic for next year, but let's see about 2024 for sure. I like the fact that they're not rushing anybody just to say they have a black driver in the Indianapolis 500. Yes. I think we can all agree that Ernie Francis Jr. is probably the top contender right now, but he's not ready as yeah. of yet. Yeah. Now, after next season, could he be ready? Absolutely. Sure. I could see that. I mean, Definitely. you get a year in Indy Lights to get more comfortable. It, it completely makes sense uh, with what he can do, and, and we'll continue to see him grow. Some other notes from that interview with Penske. As far as Toyota goes, Roger says, we were very, very close with Toyota, thought we were ready to go. And then with COVID and supply chain issues, it's turned us upside down. I don't see a third engine manufacturer announcement soon at this point. So they're still searching. They're still looking as far as the new engine for 2024. Engines are built. They've run hybrid adaptation. They're struggling with due to supply chain issues. Um, But they, he says he's cautiously optimistic. Which tells me it's not out of the realm of possibility that it's delayed to 2025. It's true. Doesn't sound like that decision is imminent, but it also sounds like that possibility is there, that it could be pushed back. Penske happy with the 3 4 5% increase as far as in TV ratings year by year. NBC must have as well at 13 races. And then as far as a new car, Roger says, I see no reason for now. The car is safe, reliable. We continue to enhance it with engineering changes. We'll do some wing changes. There's been some other safety enhancements. So I would not expect a new car in the near future. I would say, what, 2026? I think we kind of said that last week. 2026, 2036, 2046. Who knows <laughs> at this point? Keep kicking the can down the road. <laughs> I, um, I feel Roger Penske can't be deciding this on his own. Look, if he had every single 
team owner in his ear saying, we absolutely need a new car ASAP. I have a hard time thinking Roger Penske would be this bullish and saying, no, we don't. Which tells me that it is not universal in the paddock that people are pushing for a new chassis. So I know there are some folks that are more vocal than others about it, but I don't think there's universal support for a chassis being new in the next couple years or else Roger Penske would be pushing for it. And some other driver notes, Colton Herta's super license uh, was denied the request. Again, this is not a surprise. Some other notes, Connor Daly racing in cup, Charlotte Roval. So it's not this weekend, but next weekend for Floyd Mayweather's the money team racing. So congrats to him. Bit yeah. the sponsor, big opportunity, IndyCar sponsor. Also, some news as far as Cup goes. Kyle Bush also interested in running the double next year. So keep that in mind as, as well. As in that, 2023 is what you're saying, or 2024. I, I believe so. Kyle Bush does indeed, if he does the Indy 500, he would also do the double. So that from Jenna Fryer. Okay, then. So Stay that tuned. Is, that is the update on the double. All right. If you agree or disagree with anything we've said so far, we'd love for you to interact with us. You can find us at NewTrackRecordPodcast.com. While you're there, sign up for our email list so you never miss an episode or any special announcements. On social media, our Twitter handle is IndyCar Podcast. On Facebook, like us, just search for New Track Record. On Instagram, the handle is also IndyCar Podcast as well. You can email us, NewTrackRecordPodcast at gmail.com. You can support us via Patreon, patreon.com slash NewTrackRecord. Thanks to Xavier Robb and others who are supporting us. Again, starts it's just as little as $1 per month to be a supporter. And you can follow us for free on your favorite podcasting platform, whether that is Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, or wherever you find your podcasts. As always, all for free. Mailbag time, Justin, and a ton to discuss, naturally, on the schedule announcement. And we start with who will miss Jimmy Johnson the most? That poll that you referenced earlier. <laughs> it, the, the voting was fierce. Yes. Went back and forth. 56.5% said me. 43.5% said you. Now, we're missing them for, for missing Jimmy for various reasons. Yeah. But some, the, of the, some of the replies are great. Jeremy from HPG said whomever sells ads for IndyCar NBC. Uh, Autosport Lab said both. The Roth said Delora Money. Uh, <laughs> DC Soda said me trying to remember which names line up to which voices. Sorry, guys. Ha ha. And it's the gif of uh, not not uh, Key and Peel. Uh, one of the Key and Peel guys. It'd be Peel. Okay. I yeah. Uh, sweating profusely. And then Stealth 1014 said IndyCar and NBC, Lee Diffie, Dalton Kellett in that order. <laughs> <laughs> Dalton Kellett is, is funny. Man, Funny, that's spot but, on, actually. But ouch. All right. Schedule release. Uh, as far as the announcement, before the announcement, I am analog said Boston. Wait, I'm being told that's a hard no. <laughs> it's a good one. Not Yeah, not not happening. All right. Thoughts on the schedule. Vicky Lynn 26 said, again, with Toronto on Peacock, IndyCar does know that Canada doesn't get Peacock, right? I get why they did it this past season, but give me an effing break but you pointed out it's on television in canada yeah correct which makes a great point because canadian companies are going to advertise knowing that it's on canadian tv i believe it's on rogers 
Rogers or Sportsnet? Right. Or, so I, I'm not sure. It's on one. television in Canada. We in the United States have to watch it on Peacock. First world problems, folks. Okay, you have to pay a couple bucks a month to watch one IndyCar race. But what I'm saying is this makes doesn't hurt as much as you think up in Canada because the show is on in Canada. Other responses. Racer Mac RTP1 said, Gateway the same day as trucks at Milwaukee is dumb scheduling, in my humble opinion. Who's watching trucks? I think he's got tickets to it. So <laughs> Okay, fair. JSH Will said three takeaways. Two-month gap off network during the summer kills any interest built up prior. Can't get a single night race, specifically Gateway. And month gap to start the season needs to be filled with Mexico immediately, and everyone already knows this. Bauer Racing says... Excited for you to tell us what's wrong with it. Well, I guess we've already done that. Yeah, but we didn't have much other no, than the, the just gap. the gap. That's that's it. But I'll go back to saying yes. If if Monterey was down right now or twenty twenty three, yeah, it would be on the schedule, but it ain't, and that's more on the tracks than IndyCar. Tyler underscore Allen says the month gap right at season open, lack of ovals, gateway on a Sunday. No wonder they snuck the schedule out without hyping it up. Well, I mean, the no ovals thing is like, you, you people aren't going to ovals, so why yeah. should there be ovals on the schedule? And then follow that up with, should have doubled up with trucks at Milwaukee? Next year. Yeah, twenty. well, 2024. 2024 I mean. Uh, run underscore mark underscore run deja vu. Energy DJ1. Uh, they should race the Glen. They so, would if people showed up. Yeah, they have raced at the Glen several times. Okay, now the poll. The poll to end all polls. The poll. A ton of responses on this one. I don't think I've ever seen so many votes. Thanks to everyone who voted. Biggest beef with the schedule. Nearly 71% of you said no new events. Ends too early. 9% a peacock race again. 7% other. Nearly 13% of you. And a ton of responses on other. And I can't get into each individual response. We'd be here all night. But gap between St. Pete and Texas got 10 votes. As far as in the comments. Too many road courses, not enough ovals. Variation of that at six votes. Three votes for a Mexico race needs added. No night races got two votes. Too much indie road course got two votes. And then no beef got one vote. That from Nick Yeoman. All the above got one vote. No Milwaukee got one vote. Sky Sports, the TV provider in the UK, got one vote. <laughs> yeah. And Peacock Race got one vote. But that was part of it. That was one of the things up above you could vote for. Peacock uh, yeah, that's true. So. Yeah, it really took off. I think the majority of people that were other were bothered by the gap yeah. in the schedule. That should have been one of the options. That, that was me. That's only my my biggest beef. David Land uh, responding on this. D-Land 91. Biggest beef would be that the lack of enthusiasm around IndyCar, mainly because of stagnation with cars, events, and promotion. I see that the lack of enthusiasm is beginning to metastasize into apathy for the sport. I don't think that's positive at all. Now I get his point because NASCAR has had these new events. They had the clash at the Coliseum open last year. Before that, they had the Bristol dirt race this year. They're going to have the Chicago street race. They're going to have the return to North Wilkesboro. So having new events builds excitement, builds momentum, creates a bit of a buzz. IndyCar doesn't have that for 2023. NASCAR was in a better position and still is to take big swings. And Roger Penske's first priority, and he said multiple times in regards to the schedule, was getting date equity with the existing events on the schedule and making sure they're financially stable. And for the most part, that's where we're at. We can talk about Texas and where that is heading, but they have a multi-year contract now for Texas. We can talk about Gateway and the rumors around that, 
But at least for 2023, it's on the schedule. We talk about the long-term future of Iowa. What's that look like? But by and large, you have a schedule full of solid events. And that was priority number one when Roger Penske took over. And you can say, well, it's been multiple years. Well, we went through a pandemic that really put everything behind the eight ball, including IndyCar and Roger Penske's plans for the series. So now that we're finally getting past the pandemic with it in the distant review mirror now, he can really make some things happen. I think what we're seeing with this schedule from last year to this year is equity, date equity, continuity. Those are the two keys. I think before you can even consider adding new events, I think we're there. And I think starting in 2024, we'll start seeing one or two additional races per season. Yeah, their goal, according to that racer article, a new event in 24, 25, 26, and try to build up to 18, 19, 20 events yearly. That's the goal. Which I would love to get to 20 solid events, not going to a place twice other than maybe the doubleheader in Iowa. That should be the goal. But, you know, it doesn't sound like much. Go getting 17 to 20 races but it's for a lot. an IndyCar series. I mean, that's that's a big a strain lot. on the teams, on scheduling, on travel. And having 20 solid events. That's the big thing. You want to get to a place where you have solid events where you're not interchanging two or three a year. And yeah, you may be going to new venues, but you're also losing venues. And in that respect, you're not gaining anything. So I like the approach by Roger Penske. I know people are impatient. I get it. But to me, I'm looking at the Detroit street course as a new event. I think there's going to be a revitalized attitude towards that event. Hopefully becomes a big deal in Detroit. And I think people should be more excited about it than they are. Absolutely. As always, send us your tweets, Facebook messages, emails, snail mail, I I don't know, carrier pigeon, and we'll get to them in the following week's episode. And now we welcome in our special guest, the winner of the new track record IndyCar Fantasy Challenge in 2022. It is Donovan Martin. Welcome to the show, Donovan. Hey. Hey, guys. Thank you. I appreciate it. First off, congratulations. And what was your team name? What was your strategy throughout the season? Yeah, so the, the team name w- was Get Larson in the 500. Um, you know, so I guess a little background. Um, I guess I would say mainly I uh, grew up a big NASCAR fan. So to see Kyle Larson race in the 500, that's kind of where that name comes from. Um, the strategy, uh, I guess, uh, <laughs> spend more time worrying about the the games or the races that are around the 500, so the practice day, the qualifications of the 500, uh, I think that's kind of boosted the team this year. Good strategy, Donovan. And what, who was your go-to guy? Who would you feel that was the, the clutch driver for your team throughout the season? Yeah, uh, you know, so the clutch driver, a little bit of way down there uh, in the cost, and actually kind of grew up a big AJ Foyt racing fan. Um, so, you know, if, if you need to fit some of those, those bigger money guys that were starting on the front row, you could always kind of throw Kirkwood in there. Um, and when he finished the race, uh, you know, that, that usually helps you out a little bit. Donovan, so let's get into kind of like your IndyCar background. So you mentioned you, you grew up a NASCAR fan. When did you first get into IndyCar? Yeah, so I you know, grew up a NASCAR fan, but, you know, we, with my dad, we always grew up watching the Indy 500. Um, and so that was always a really big deal. 
Um, and then we attended, or, or I attended with my family, the first Indy 500 in 2016. And, you know, I kind of knew, you know, knew about the IndyCar series, but didn't follow it very closely. Uh, but after being there in person in 2016 and kind of reading up on all the different drivers, um, it just kind of, you know, became another series that I follow now, kind of through there. Are you as adept in NASCAR fantasy as you are in IndyCar fantasy? I'm not, and I, and I don't play NASCAR fantasy. Uh, you know, there's been seasons that I've started out playing, but the, the season's a little too long. <laughs> know, it's, hard right? up, it's hard to keep up with. Yeah, you miss yeah, you miss one of thirty six. I mean, you're essentially screwed. Yeah, exactly. So, Donovan, let's let's talk about. So, you went to the Indy five hundred in twenty sixteen. How many Indy five hundreds have you been to? What races do you attend normally, year in year out? Kind of, what's your background on attending races in IndyCar? Yeah, so uh, been to, to every Indy five hundred since twenty sixteen. I guess except uh, save for twenty twenty uh, when nobody was there. Um, I, I actually have never been to another IndyCar race. So I've never been to a road course race or a street race. I'd like to, um, kind of living over here in the part of Ohio that I live, I'd love to get over to mid Ohio. Um, but it's just, it's never fit the schedule. Right. I, I will say having been to mid Ohio, I think four or five times would highly recommend it. Um, it's, it's a great event and it's a lot more laid back than going to the Indy 500. Yeah. <laughs> and I've heard a lot of good things. Like I said, I, I need, I need to, uh, to pinpoint that on my calendar next year. I know the schedule just dropped last week. Um, so I need, I kind of need to make that a priority. All right, Donovan, what did you think uh, of the season? Did you feel satisfied when Will Power won the championship? What were your uh, your takeaways from this season? Yeah, I mean, you know, satisfied that Will Power, I think he was probably the most consistent driver, um, obviously, week in and week out. It's kind of how you wind up being a champion in this series. Um, you know, it, it was neat to see uh, kind of Scott, Scott McLaughlin um, kind of really take a huge step for Team Penske this year. Um, and so that was kind of a cool storyline to follow. And then uh, I guess it was kind of fun to follow the silly season starting so early. Um, you know, before the Indy 500, we already knew where Rossi was going and then kind of um, all the, the different kind of things that fell into place. And kind of here we are, you know, we just got the schedule for next year, but silly season's kind of almost over. Yeah, we're, we're, getting, uh, we're getting through it here with, with some moves here every week. Now I'm going to ask you, since you said Larson in the 500, when will we see Kyle Larson in the Indianapolis 500, what's your prediction? You know, I, I'd, I'd like to say this year, but it kind of it kind of looks like the other Kyle, Kyle Busch <laughs> right? Might, Kyle have, uh, is, yeah. might, might beat him to it. Um, you know, I think I think before Kyle Larson retires, I think he's going to run it one time. I think it may only be a one time deal for him, um, but I would say maybe not next year. So you probably are you looking at 2024 or even later because it kind of looks like um, that Kyle Busch thing is moving pretty quick. At least it seems like it. All right, Donovan, let's get to some of your favorites. Favorite driver in IndyCar? Yeah, so it's it's anybody who's driving the 14 for A.J. Foyt, so it almost changes every year. Wow, so, so it's uh, amazing you even listen to the podcast. <laughs> don't listen to I this know, show. Like, yeah, Dad was a huge A.J. Foyt fan, uh, and obviously they have not enjoyed the most success. Um, and, and it makes it hard to have a favorite driver. Um, and so you kind of, you go into the weekend and you kind of start rooting for different storylines. I mean, even, even in the Indy 500, um, you know, you, you're kind of, you know, last year you're kind of pulling for Jimmy Johnson, you know, cause that would make, you know, that would help the series. That's big news. Or you're kind of always hoping Marco will get it done. But if he had to stick on a favorite driver, he's ever a 14 car. So AJ Foyt racing is your favorite team. One, one would assume, right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Do you have like a favorite past Foyt racing driver? Uh, I mean, Connor, you know, it was cool when Connor Daly was racing there. 
Um, you know, like I said, kind of a newer fan to the, the full-time series, and so I know it hasn't been that many years since Connor's been out of it. Um, but, you know, his personality is a lot of fun to follow. Um, you know, talking about podcasts, his is a great podcast to listen to, um, Speed Street with Joey. But, you know, his personality kind of on J- AJ Floyd's team was, was kind of a cool era. All right, Donovan, your favorite willpower outburst over the years. <laughs> Do you have a particular one that stands out? Uh, I, I mean, it, it, it's, it's got to be, <laughs> you know, either him at New Hampshire um, or just him on the radio when he won the 500. That was, that was, <laughs> yeah. that, was that. And just, you know, kind of that, um, you know, he finally, he finally done it and just kind of that outburst on that cool down lap. You know, it was pretty cool to go back and listen to. Show me respect, followed by some words we cannot utter. Mother <laughs> <the> something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. A, exactly. a classic willpower moment. And yeah, it, it's easy to forget about that one because of the double birds and the, the Dario bashing interview coming in 2011 or 2010. Well, I mean, was, it just, couple, was it last year where he went, went crazy with the, uh, with the water bottle and was throwing it and talking about how he worked his ass off and all that? Was it last year? Was that Gateway? Remember, because Kevin Lee's standing there and he's waiting to interview him and he's just like throwing the water and like Kevin's getting wet and all that stuff and he's trying (laughs) to keep a straight face. Oh, that was that was vintage meltdown power. That may be my favorite. All right, Donovan. He's definitely had some over the years. For sure. Donovan, do you have like a a favorite IndyCar race in your time as being an IndyCar fan that you go back and like, oh, I I like rewatching that one over and over again? Yeah, you know, it's it's going to be super cliche, but it's it's a 2016 500. So the, the first race that I got to watch in person, um, you know, I've got the commemorative DVD that IMS put out. And so you, you kind of going into the month of May, you always flip that on and listen to Rossi and Bryden Herta kind of talk about the clutching coast. Um, and so that's always a favorite one to relive. All right, Donovan, who's, who's winning the championship next year? You were so good at predicting things this year. Tell us who's going to win next year's championship so none of us have to watch it. We're, we're taking notes here, by the way. Yeah, so. we're going to take your – I'm going to cheat next year. Whatever he picks each each week, I'm going to pick the same drivers. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's hard to look that far ahead, but you you got to think Scott Dixon's going to win at least one more, right? Oh, for sure. He's got to. So, so, so I guess Scott Dixon. We'll go with Scott Dixon. It's a solid choice. A solid choice. Um, as far as so IndyCar, NASCAR, are you a fan of any other racing series, or is there like a, a local track you like to go to and want to give a shout out to them as well? Yeah, other racing series. You know, I I, I don't get up early on Sunday mornings and watch F one, um, and so it's kind of limited to IndyCar, NASCAR there. But a, a local track I like to go to a little bit, Wayne County Speedway. So I live over here near Canton, Ohio. Wayne County Speedway is a little dirt track. Um, and I, ironically, with the team name, I just missed out. Uh, Kyle Larson's sprint car series was supposed to be over here Tuesday. It got rained out. And so, um, but I've been over there this summer and got to watch Christopher Bell and Alex Bowman run around. Um, and so, the, you know, I'd like to give those guys a shout out. All right, Donovan. Before we let you go, we're gonna. The floor is yours. If you want to brag, you want to talk some trash about your your performance over the course of the season, feel free. This is your time. <laughs> no, I, you know, I, I don't want to brag. You know, I think. It, it kind of always comes down to just consistency. Like, you know, the NASCAR fantasy series is too, too long. The IndyCar, I think it's a perfect, you know, you get about every other week, make, wake up, make sure you got your picks in. Um, you know, I don't think there's anything to brag or talk trash about. All right. Well, Donovan, congrats again on winning the league. And uh, we hope you join again next year. Try to make it two for two. Hey, we'll see what we can do, guys. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Donovan. Thanks, bud. Yep. Have a good one. You too. That is Donovan Martin.
our 2022 IndyCar Fantasy Challenge winner joining us. It's pretty cool, like, just to have a, like, a newer fan to the sport, where we've been following it for, what, like, 20, 25 years each, so having a newer fan, you know, not having kind of the background of the split era where it's like yeah. actually clean. He's got good memories in. mostly. Yeah. yeah. Clean no, coming don't. in 2016 to present. I mean, yeah. if, if you were to have like the good modern era of IndyCar, it is literally 2016 to present. He I came in say. in the right time. Yes. He does not know the being in the trenches of trying to root for this series year in and year out. No, no, absolutely no, not. No, but happy to have him. And thanks for Donovan for coming on and, and being such a good sport and joining us and, Congratulations on the win. We had a deep field this year, really. Yeah. So it was, what, 35, 45? I think we're 46, 47, 48 entries. Now, a lot of you never Me. made a pick. <laughs> well, I, I missed a couple weeks. That I missed did, one week. I missed Indy. That was my big Oops. issue. Yeah, double points. <laughs> yeah. I was done for after that. But there was still a solid 30, 35 people that picked most every week. So it was a competitive field. Hopefully, we can grow it even more in 2023 yes as always we'll uh give the details out as we get closer to the start of the season unfortunately they do not make it easy for us to create this private group so as always or find it yeah people will will ask for you to message us an email address or whatever it's not we'll we'll get you situated don't you think in the year 2022 you could put just a link out there you could go to no can't do that that'd be too easy apparently yeah, it, it, it sometimes it's like okay, we get nice things, and then <laughs> sometimes oh, that's asking for too much. Oh yeah, we got to keep our expectations low around here for the IndyCar series. All right, time to move to news and notes, and then our random split era driver of the week as we wrap it up this week. Uh, just a few note items. First off, here at the Joey Barnes, he is the new editorial and digital content lead for Penske Entertainment Corp. So. I think he's kind of run the gamut when it comes to publications. I think he did some stuff, I believe, for Racer. He was with uh, tobychristie.com recently, so now with IndyGar. Congrats to him. Excited to see what he does on the digital side. Renus VK tried out a NASCAR on an oval in the Netherlands. He tweeted a video of that. I think it was like an old ASA car. I saw that. I. It was interesting because there can't be a lot of ovals in Europe. That's just not their style over there i don't even know what track it is or how popular it is how old it is i just assumed when i saw the highlight the video online that it was in america but it was at home in the netherlands it is raceway Vinray, formerly known as circuit de peel and it is a banked half mile oval with a flat quarter mile oval inside also has a karting track for both so it is in Vinray, netherlands does it have safer barriers? I didn't even. Uh, I don't. I don't think so. Is uh, it a candidate for the IndyCar series? A half mile oval? I would go with no. Okay. I mean, they don't, they don't. They don't race on half mile ovals. They should put them at Bristol. <laughs> yeah, I think they'd be too fast. <laughs> be too fast for Bristol. Uh, congrats to Alexander Rossi who got engaged recently. Why did I think he was already married? I guess I don't pay attention. <laughs> And then speaking of Arenas VK, so Indy 44 found this on Twitter, but VK, a TV series, uh, this is on IMDb, 
The little description says the pressure is on as Rookie of the Year Renus VK made a big impression in the IndyCar series. The Young Racer 2022 is the year of truth. This three-part sport documentary series dot dot dot. So maybe that could be something that's on the horizon. We shall see. I don't think it's going to be full with too many highlights though. Yeah, it was a tough season for VK. It was. And then one other note, Alex Zanardi discharged from the hospital 76 days after fire damaged his home rehab machine. So that is positive again. That it's dude just, has been through a lot. He has and just always comes out the other side to wish him the best on that. All right. Tweets of the week. And we have two tweets this week. First off, Marshall Pruitt uh, responding to your theory on Utah Motorsports Campus. You did the work and figured it out, and as a returning IndyCar OEM, Lotus gets to exploit a special clause by adding an extra cylinder. Uh, the world's first 2.4-liter twin-turbo hybrid V7 engine in 2024. Yeah, if only. If only. And this was the theory that we said with the unnamed track out west that yes. Marshall Pruitt had mentioned in his story about new venues that I put way too much time into investigating, came up with the former Miller Motorsports Park, now the Utah Motorsports Campus, owned by Geely, the Chinese automaker that also owns Volvo and Lotus, which means obviously that Lotus is the third OEM. I we 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 tagged Marshall Pruitt in our theory, and he confirmed it. So breaking news here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I don't think Lotus is the third OEM. Now, as far as... Utah Motorsports Campus? Eh, I don't know. I like your if, theory there. If it came out tomorrow that Lotus was the third OEM, would it make you roll your eyes or legit get excited? I would probably just start laughing. <laughs> i like, this is too good to be true. Well, it wasn't for lack of effort. When they committed to the series, they were gung-ho about it. And then what, they had a change in manner, managing front office or whatever ownership, whatever happened where basically funding was cut for the program. So their hearts were in the right place at the beginning. And then it went South pretty quick. Our other tweet of the week from Jeff Gluck who covers racing and and mostly NASCAR, but this one is NASCAR related, but very funny. Kyle Larson's suggestion on what should be done to fix Texas motor speedway. I, I would like them to demolish this place first and then start over from scratch. <laughs> Incredible. Even cup drivers hate this place. It's uh, so amazing because Texas used to be the place for IndyCar races. Right? Oh, you got to watch IndyCar Texas, right? You, you have to watch. It's crazy. You'll love the sport after that. And there were some really good cup races then over the years. And now it's just become a hate-hate relationship. No, Even with IndyCar, oh, they put the PJ1, PBJ down. It ruins the IndyCar event well it doesn't help the cup event and if you watched it last was it last week two weeks ago whatever was texas 17 cautions yeah in that race i didn't catch it absolutely terrible it was on so late that they had to move to football night in america yeah because the cup race hadn't finished so that was moved to usa so you think you're getting this decent lead in because people may tune in you know for the end of the cup race before they stumble on Right. NFL pregame coverage for Sunday Night Football no. and highlights. Nope. Nope. Had to go away from it. It's it's a terrible, terrible situation for Texas. And and that may be the reason why IndyCar is going back, because it's not like they have a lot of goodwill right now with Cup. Are they down to one race again since 
The all-star race, is it still Texas? It's not, is it? No, not next year, because that's North, North Wilkesboro. Wilkesboro. What was it this past year? Um, Bristol, wasn't it? No, Bristol has the, the dirt race and then the night race. I believe... It was, I don't know, was it Charlotte? I, Charlotte? Yeah, I, I can't remember. But Texas, I think, had it last year? Was it yeah. a one-and-done thing for them? The, it's The all-star race was at... Texas this yes, year, back but that in was May. A, that was a two year thing. Now it's got it done. So correct. You're back to what one cup race now at Texas or now still two. I'm not sure. The point is nobody likes Texas. IndyCar doesn't like Texas. Cup doesn't like Texas. It's not a good situation. So cup has trucks, then IndyCar April 1st and 2nd Xfinity series, September 23rd. And then the NASCAR cup series playoffs race, September 24th. And that's it. That's it. So they only have one. One cup race, Xfinity race, a truck race, and an IndyCar race. <laughs> and 100,000 seats? Yeah. I mean, they haven't, ta- they haven't redesigned that track to accommodate the lack of fans. Well, and soon. I saw the attendance, and look, I, I get it. The IndyCar attendance was bad for Texas this past it's year. It's too huge. But for cup, it was it's bad. I couldn't believe how bad it was. It's not good. And when it's cavernous like it is... When it's bad, it's going to look horrendous because there's so many seats. Yeah. Empty seats. For sure. All right. Time now for our random split air driver of the week. All right. We're going to cart or rather champ car in 2006. Caleb, you ready for this? Dale Coin Racing. It's the gift that just keeps on giving. And we're going with Andreas Wirth. Who? Andreas Wirth from Germany. German race car driver. Won the BMW USA championship chip in 2004 and then advanced to champ car atlantics raced for two years won three races so wasn't a terrible driver at least in atlantics raced for brooks associates racing and then Forsyth in 2006 but in champ car in 2006 raced in two races surfers paradise and mexico city for dale coin racing finished ninth at surfers 15th at mexico city and that was it he had a very good season though that year in Atlantics. Yeah, won, won a couple races. Couple races, finished third in the championship, a good run, and then actually came back in 2008 and ran the first three races as well. So it's almost like it just never took off the ground for him. After his open wheel career went into GT3, raced several years in that over multiple seasons. Uh, did Amer- uh, the Le Mans. With SMP racing, we know that SMP racing, yeah, Michael Illusion, yeah. So dabbling into it, said if after a full 20, 2006 season in Atlantic, Worth was named to compete in his first Champ Car race at Surfers, and then he went on to race with Coin in Mexico City, and then in two thousand eight he raced Le Mans in a PTG PTG Panos. and then seven seasons competed in the GT Masters Series, got nine victories in that, which is like a tour-based racing series that goes around the world, I think. Um, no, mostly in Europe, but based in Germany, which is where he's from. I think what's fascinating is he raced the Delta Wing at the 24 really? Hours of Daytona in 2016, finished in 12th. <laughs> and again, the, the class was prototype, but yeah, he raced in the Delta Wing. That's the big thing. Yeah, he does it. The, the Delta Wing DWC 13. You're exactly right. Race that. That's that's the the biggest thing with Andreas Worth, most definitely. But a guy that appeared in two total 
official races in Champ Car in 2006. Still only 37 years old. So pretty young once he when he was dabbling in Champ Car 16 years ago. My gosh, he was not even 20 at that point. I'm doing my math right. Am I? And then you look at the Dale Coin lineup. So Jan Halen ran the full season. Oh, this is a who's who of random split <laughs> yeah. air drivers of the week. So Jan Halen, again, heard of him. Then Cristiano Damata ran the first four races in the 19 car. Then Mario Dem- Dominguez races five through 11 in the 19 car. Then Juan Caceres, I believe. I liked how you added the little, <laughs> little tongue roll. Uh, the, he, he did a, a race 12 in that car, which race 12 would have been Road America. And then, as we mentioned, Andreas Wirth did surfers in Mexico City to close out the season. So consistency with Jan Halen in the 11, but the 19 car. Look, we, you've heard of the first two guys most likely, but the last two, absolutely not. Way very much who's who. Cristiano D'Amato, Mario Dominguez, Caceres, and Wirth all raced and were sponsored by Sonny's Barbecue. Yeah, the longtime Dale Coin Racing sponsor because Dale Coin Racing, Dale Coin himself, owned several franchises of that. I don't know if he that still helps. does, but I mean, that's what he did for branding, but that's that's not been on the cars for a while, for quite some time. No, it hasn't, but this week's Random Split Era Driver of the Week, the German native, Mr. Andreas Wirth. All right, that wraps up this episode. Next week, the off-season continues on. Look, we had a busy week of news next we week. We'll, we'll Or this week, we'll see what next week brings. Thanks to Donovan Martin for coming on. For Justin Kinney, I am Caleb Hatch. This has been another edition of New Track Record Podcast. A veteran charity is hosting a new track series to reduce veteran suicide. The format is track cross, like a time trial or time attack, but with just one car running at a time. Drivers compete individually and as teams. The event is at Summit Point Raceway on October 22nd. Registration is on motorsportreg.com. Search for Top Dog Track Cross. Podcasts by Federated Media.